Everything Co-op. Bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Welcome, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Cooperative. You know, it's a beautiful day out here in the Washington, D.C. area, and we want to give thanks. As you probably know, Thanksgiving, they're originally celebrating as a day of giving thanks for the blessings of the harvest and of the preceding year. So we don't do a whole lot of harvesting in terms of agriculturally, at least in the Washington, D.C. area. Some of us may be planting a garden. But we have thanks that we could give for other things. So the, the question is, what do you have to be thankful for? And particularly your cooperative blessings. We want to look at how cooperatives have improved your quality of life, saved you money, taught you about finances, improved your standard of living, improved your access to healthy foods, provided greater access to products and services, or just taught you the principles of living cooperatively. So what might you have? You could call in at 1-800-450-7876. What cooperative blessings have you seen in your life or in the past year? What have your fa you and your family harvested? What has your community? You know, cooperatives are formed to solve community problems. No community problems, no need for a cooperative. Different types of co-ops. Co-ops are defined based on who owns and controls the business. It can be any business you can think of. Particularly if it's only controlled by the employees, it's called a worker cooperative. So any business that have employees could be owned and controlled by the, the employees and therefore a worker cooperative. So if you work in a worker cooperative or you buy from a worker cooperative, and you've been blessed, please call in and let us know. Just tell us your name, what company it is, and how you've been blessed. If you are a consumer of products or services, and the consumer owns and controls the business, it's called a consumer cooperative. Types of consumer cooperatives are credit unions, housing cooperatives. There's a company called REI that's just in the last year or so, put up a store here in Washington, D.C., and you can buy recreational equipment there. So it's a co-op, owned and controlled by the people that buys those products and services. And the people that started that business couldn't get good quality products for climbing, canoeing, and they were out in Washington State, and this was in the 20s or 30s. And they formed together and formed a cooperative. And then they also produced their own brand name. In Madison, Wisconsin, there is a cooperative that is a health clinic owned and controlled by the patients. So it's a patient-centric cooperative. And their main sort of look is how can they prevent getting a disease? 
just the opposite of what most health organizations are about in the U.S. is how to give you some pills so you can try to get on top of some disease that you already have. In this clinic, the concept was how can we patients create a clinic that will help the people that come here, the consumer, to prevent getting heart attacks or diabetes or cancer. So it's a different type of a a clinic. Now, the two other main type of cooperatives are a purchasing cooperative, and that's when a group of people come together to buy products and services that they need for their business or for their homes, and they purchase these products, and they can normally get them at a lower price and they can get a better product if they buy in volume. So these are what cooperatives are. And we have on the line Denise. Denise, good morning. Good morning, and thank you for taking my call. I am so happy to hear that you're talking about what cooperatives have done for an individual. I am thankful for the fact to know that my insurance company, Nationwide, is a cooperative. Had it not been for an incident that occurred at my home, I would never have found out that it is not only a cooperative, but that it really works for the betterment of of homeowners. So for me, that was wonderful knowledge and such an opportunity for me to take advantage of an insurance company that I have had on my home for 20-plus years. So I will continue to listen. Yes. Thank you for calling in, and thanks for talking about Nationwide, which is a cooperative. So you're thankful and blessed because they came in and helped you when you had a problem in your home. Yes, they did. And so I would recommend Nationwide to anyone to have as their uh, insurance company, not only for their home, but for apartments, automobiles, family, anything, because they're really, really good. Now, did they pay, did so they, did they pay you to call in and talk about no, they did not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so they didn't pay me a penny. Okay. Now I was going to do it. Okay. Thank you very All much, right. Denise. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're most welcome. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye-bye. Happy Thanksgiving. And there's a happy customer who, and, and, you know, we don't talk about Nationwide that much as an insurance company. That is a cooperative. And I just found out I was sitting at a meeting with a nationwide employee, and he told me they were started because some people were trying to get insurance, and I'm not going to name the other insurance company, and they could not get insurance. Uh, there was a need. They could not get insurance, so they formed their own insurance company. They gathered together and formed their own insurance company, and it has grown. And most people don't know the nationwide is a cooperative. So it is a cooperative that is there to benefit the members, those people that get insurance for Nationwide, a consumer cooperative. Fascinating. Denise, thank you so very much for calling in. Now, the other type, we talked about a worker cooperative. We talked about a consumer cooperative. We talked about a purchasing cooperative. Now, there's another purchasing cooperative here in the district, and it's called CPA, Consumer Purchasing Alliance. And they started out working with churches and charter schools and and government entities and other nonprofits to try to get people to pool together to buy things like trash, electricity, gas, the utilities. They started 
looking at solar panels, copy machines. So they look at different things that these members and their customers wanted and needed. And as a business, they got the expertise in working with vendors on how to put together a some products at a price that was good for their members. And churches got 50% deductions, up to 50% deductions in their cost for trash, as an example. They put in solar panels. So when you look at the mission of a church is help the least of these. And by not paying vendors as much money, they had more money to help people. The other sort of benefit, and I went to their the CPA's annual meeting a couple years ago, is that the churches and synagogues and different religious institutions use CPA as a mechanism for them coming together to see how they can work on community issues together, not just as an individual church, but how in Washington, D.C. or in Maryland or Northern Virginia, how they could come together and then sort of learn from each other on how best to help the least of these. Many benefits. Now, most of these purchasing cooperatives, the the biggest history in the U.S. has been farmers. And the U.S. Department of Agriculture has perhaps the most experience with cooperatives because of this, where farmers would get together and they would buy what they would need as a group. And these cooperatives would come together and they would buy their seed or their fertilizer or their gas, or they may even buy equipment together, like a big tractor that one individual farmer couldn't buy, and then they would share that equipment. And this is what a purchasing cooperative does, and those farmers then would practice best practice and learn from each other on how to create the best corn or fruit or vegetables or whatever they were growing cows or pigs or whatever they were growing, then they would learn best practices from each other. And we've had people, uh, guests in here interviewing from NCBA, National Cooperative Business Alliance, CLUSA, and they were talking about internationally because they go out and they work with farmers throughout the world, a lot in Africa and Latin America particularly, and that how Farmers, right across the street, you could you could see the difference in a cooperative member and a non-cooperative member. The vegetables, the the products were much better in the cooperative member than a person across the street. And he said, the gentleman that I was interviewing said he got out and he asked the farmer that was in the cooperative why his produce were so much better, so much green, so much alive. And he said because of what he learned in the cooperative about planting and growing and protecting his crop. So not only do you get better prices and a better product, but you also get the knowledge. The fifth principle of cooperative is knowledge, training, and information. And that was the first reason I ended up loving co-ops. So you got a worker cooperative, you have a consumer cooperative, you have purchasing cooperatives. We talked about CPA. We talked about farmers. And now artists are beginning to form cooperatives. And they'll be purchasing cooperatives. And then they'll come together and buy a warehouse so that they can use this warehouse, share this warehouse, where each individual artist perhaps couldn't do it. It could be musicians or it could be people of crafts. And some of them in a warehouse 
they'll have the, in the back of the warehouses where they make their products, and in the front of the warehouse, they will sell it or have it as a gallery to show their goods and services, their goods. In these purchasing co-ops, you also have the musicians. Now, because musicians, well, particularly most artists, they fluctuate in their income. Now, one month, they may have a gig or two, and then they'll have money. The next month, they perhaps have no money. So it's feast or famine. So by coming in a co-op, they can learn how to spread out that money and work and help each other so that they'll have a consistent and continual uh, income. This is what they're about. Listen, we're going to take our first break. We'll be right back, and we'll talk about the other form of cooperatives. Please don't touch that down. everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. It's being sponsored by the National Cooperative Bank, whose mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their families, especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial and related services. And we just are very thankful for the National Cooperative Bank and all of the work that they have done uh, around the world, particularly here in the U.S., in advocating and supporting cooperatives, and they talk about in low-income communities. And if you note that most of the low-income communities, you'll find brown and black folk. And so National Cooperative Bank is right there, helping to provide these cooperative businesses, whether it's housing co-ops or credit unions or worker cooperatives, consumer cooperatives, whether they're purchasing cooperatives. And the last one we haven't talked about is marketing cooperatives. So marketing co-ops for the farmers is on the sort of the other end. The, the farmer will get into a purchasing cooperative and buy the seed and the goods that they need to farm, and then they farm. And because they have this purchasing cooperative, they don't have to have all of the expertise of knowing about all of these products and the contracts and everything. They can spend most of their time producing whatever they are growing. So they will grow. And then when they harvest, they will take it to a marketing cooperative. And then that marketing cooperative will find different markets that the farmer could not find. And therefore, he can, he can get their products to, if they're producing in Maine, they may be able to sell them in California. Or if they're in California, they can sell them over here in D.C. So they can get more markets, get a better price for their products and a consistent price for their products. Or their producer... And I think there's, I can't remember if it's 900 or 9,000 farmers in Cabot Creamery who makes Cabot cheese. I don't know if you know, but Ocean Spray is a cooperative. A lot of us will drink Ocean Spray products, particularly cranberry juice. And you got all of these farmers that come to and belong to this purchasing or this marketing cooperative. And they bring their products to ocean spray and then they have the expertise to market these to turn the cranberries into cranberry juice and then to sell them out okay the farmer could not add value to their products like producing a juice or making cheese or whatever they have they can add value to them and then distribute them therefore giving the farmer a better price for their products. Same thing for artists. They're beginning to get into 
these marketing cooperatives so that they'll be able to sell their products to more markets. And they, they may not have the expertise to sell or even the ability or the personality. More often than not, artists are more introvert or more into themselves. And therefore, they may not have the, the sort of the flair to talk to people and to sell their products. They may not have the flair, the personality, and not the skill set. So they'll join these marketing co-ops that have the ability to have the contracts, to have the end to these different markets so they can sell their products and get a better consistent price for their products. So co-ops, lots to be thankful for. Just so much to be thankful for. And I'd appreciate it if you'd call in and tell us what you have to be thankful for and what you have harvested by being a in a cooperative. And you can call in at 1-800-450-7876 and just give us your name and what cooperative you're calling in and what's your blessing. Thank you so very, very much. And why did I like cooperatives? I just talked about the different types and the benefits of being in co-ops. But the other reason is that co-ops have values and principles, which you don't necessarily find in a capitalistic business model. And that whole model of capitalism, capitalism's breed, by the nature of it, it breeds greed. It's just a natural byproduct of capitalism. And so what you end up with in a capitalistic model, capitalistic society that the U.S. is very much is, is that you get fewer and fewer people with more and more money. And then the sort of the idea is how can I keep those down that don't have so that I can make more? You find that in the health system. You find that in the taxes. You find that in every aspect of the U.S economy in the U.S. life. Keep some down so very few can have more, the one percenters. In a co-op model, the values of the cooperatives are self-help, and I like that, self-help. Self-responsibility, being responsible for self. Democracy, normally one member, one vote in a cooperative. If you're in a worker cooperative, it's not based on your job title or your education. If you're a member, you have one vote. If you're in a housing cooperative, it doesn't make any difference. If you have the largest penthouse, or this, which might be a four or five bedroom, or you may have a studio, still one member, one vote. Equality, and that democracy helps for the equality, but it's also in equality and who gets what dividends, and we'll talk about that later. Equity, building equity, building financial equity, and then solidarity, that we're working together, we're solid. Okay? We make decisions on what's best for the group, not what's best for the individual. In the capitalistic model, is all individualistic. What is the best return we can get for the shareholders? Return on investment. That's the critical piece in how decisions are made in the capitalistic model. And therefore, a lot of times, they're short-term in focus. How do I, what decision do I make? I have two, three, four, five choices. Which one will give my investor the biggest return? And that decision may be not good for the entity long-term. 
in, in the tradition of the founders of cooperatives, co-op members believe in the ethical values, the ethical values of honesty, openness, like openness like being transparent, particularly financially, being socially res- responsible and caring for others, caring for others. Some people joke about co-ops and say it's a religion. It's not. It just has these values of honesty, openness, social responsibility, and caring for each other. This is why in co-ops I really like it. And I learned about co-ops and housing co-ops and managing them. I didn't know anything about them before I started managing them about 24 years ago. And really like it when you're in a group of people. Some of them don't even have a high school education. But when they make their decisions, they're making a decision on what's best for the group. What's best for the group. You can see it when you look at the principles. The co-op principles, the first one is volunteer and open membership. Volunteer and open membership. Open to all persons. Able to use the service and willing to accept the responsibilities of membership. The self-responsibility here go. Willing to accept the responsibilities of membership. So it's open to all. Doesn't make any difference of the gender, nor the social status, or race, or politics, or religious. It just doesn't make any difference what religion you're in, or what political party you're in, or in either, or not religious. It just doesn't make any difference. A co-op, volunteer and open membership. If you can use the service and you're willing to accept the responsibilities of a cooperative, then you can be in a co-op. So that's a co-op. Now we have Yvette on the line. Yvette, good morning. Hi, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Tell me, what are you thankful for? What harvest have you gotten out of being in a co-op? Well, actually, I'm not in a cooperative, but cooperatives have given me the wealth of healthy food, and and healthy food at an affordable price. I go to Galette and many other food co-ops, and I don't think people realize that because there's not a profit incentive, most food co-ops give you your products at a lower price and you have healthier food. And so I've been thrilled to take advantage of food co-ops. And I'm very thankful for having access to healthy food. Fantastic. And I've shopped at Glut, too. It's right up Rhode Island Avenue in Maryland. Yeah, it's in Mount Rainier, Maryland. I should have mentioned that. Yes, it's, and it's been in existence for 30-something years. And it's, so a little, it's been a little existence. small, funky place, if you will. It, it, uh, every time I go in there, there's reggae music or jazz playing. People are very, mm-hmm. very friendly. And I have found yeah. the prices to be about 20% less than Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. At least the products that I have bought, it's, it's much less, and sometimes it's the same product. Mm-hmm. And the veggies are great. The fruits are great. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you get a better quality product and a lower price, and it makes you healthier because they're not focused on plastic. <laughs> Thank you, Yvette. Thank you so very much. It's a pleasure calling in. And for those of you out there, Glut has been on the show. Uh, they they uh, just do a wonderful job. And if you like shopping, if you like shopping for great products and produce and other healthy foods, go to Glutton, Mount Rainier. Thank you, Yvette. Thank you. You're welcome. Happy, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Bye-bye. Thanksgiving to you, too. So we've had a shout-out for Glut, and we have had a shout-out for Nationwide. And we're going to take our next break. 
So please don't touch that dial. We'll be right back to talk about the Thanksgiving and what you're thankful for. W-O-L, Washington. W-240-DJ, Washington. 95.9. W-P-R-S-H-D-2, Waldorf. W-K-Y-S-H-D, Washington. W-M-M-J-H-D-2, Bethesda. And worldwide at W-O-L-D-C-News.com. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. And we're talking about being thankful for whatever harvest that you have received by either shopping at a cooperative or belonging to a cooperative. And perhaps you've even helped to form a cooperative. Sometimes we've had people on the show that's only been three to five people that come together and they formed a co-op. They share their resources. They share their time, their talents, their pocketbook, and they form a cooperative to help solve some community problem. We talked about the first principle, volunteer and open membership, before we took the break. And if you have a comment or a question, please call in at 1-800-450-7876. The second principle is democratic member control. Co-ops are democratic organizations controlled by their members who actively participate in setting their policies and making decisions actively Participate. This is one of the main responsibilities of being in a cooperative is to go to the meetings, is to study the bylaws, is to understand what is going on, and then get information so you can make informed decisions. And then you elect the board of directors. The members elect the board of directors. And then there are some policies that the board will develop or change. And then there's some policies that the members will develop or change. As I said earlier, democratic control normally means one member, one vote. One member, one vote. So of, of a cooperative, the different principles of a cooperative, we talked about volunteer and open membership. We talked about demo, de, democratic member control. And now we're going to talk about economic participation. The members have the responsibility of voting, Democratic member control, and they have the responsibility of participating economically. And as most of the time, a member has to pay in. Food co-ops, we talked about uh, Jackson, Mississippi, starting a food co-op. There's a food co-op starting in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and there's one starting in Ward 7. A group of people are coming together. And what I've heard mostly is about $100 to join for a food co-op. And this member participation in most of the co-ops I've talked to, it could be $10 a month, $5, some, something to where you build up this $100. And that gives you the right to be a member. And sometimes the member will have discounts on the food inside the store. In a housing co-op, the member participation is normally some kind of membership fee that could be the same as a security deposit in some cases, which might be one month's rent or co-op fee, or it could be set like $2,000, $5,000, $10,000. In some places in New York, I've heard of twenty and $30,000. If it's a market rate housing cooperative, it's whatever the market bears. 
is what you would pay to get into the cooperative. So in a, we'll use a food co-op because it's an enormous small amount to join. But on the other side, at the end of the year, end of the month, end of the quarter, there may be a dividend check for you. In a food co-op, that dividend check is based on three things. It's based on how much money the co-op made, surplus or profits. It's based on whatever policies the members and the board have put in place. I heard one food co-op said one-third of the profit will stay in the business for growth. One-third of the profit would go into social responsible kinds of things in the community. They may give money to different nonprofits. They may help to start a, a, a child a daycare center. There's all kinds of different ways this co-op can help the community. And then they may say one-third will go into dividends. So it depends on how much money is made by the co-op. It depends on how what the policies are that the members created. And then for a food co-op, it depends on how much you purchase. The more you purchase, the bigger your dividend. So you can put some money in. If you shop there, you get more money out assuming there's a profit. It could be that the co-op, I think I heard this from REI, that they leave their profit in. Oh, no, they do, do, they do give a dividend check because one member had told me they like that dividend check because it can help them to buy Christmas gifts for their children. Okay, so they do give a dividend check, and they keep some for growth. So the fourth principle is autonomy and independence. Cooperatives are autonomous, self-help organizations controlled by their members. So if they if they enter to any kind of agreement with any organizations, including governments, or raise capital from an external source like NCB or HUD or just any place they, they get money from, they have to make sure the terms allow the co-op to still maintain their democratic control by their members and maintain the cooperative autonomy. They have to have control. The co-op has to be able to make the control. And when we had the international, the Cooperative International Alliance president, Dame Pauline Green, she said a lot of places in Africa, particular, the government would come in and want to control the co-op, and she said that was changing, that the governments are not trying to control the co-ops as much as they used to. You have to have the autonomy and independence in order to make the decisions to order to have the democratic member control and member economic participation and have it so that anybody can join open membership. The fifth principle, which is one I like the most, it sort of fits in that my mother was a teacher and I taught for 12 years and I call myself a closet educator, and that's education, training, and information. And when I have gone to cooperative workshops and seminars and annual meetings, it's amazing to me how different cooperators just really give information away, friendly and nice, supportive of each other. Cooperatives provide education and training for their members, elected representatives, managers, employees, so that they can tr contribute effectively to the development of their cooperatives. Cooperatives also inform the general public, young people, opinion leaders, politicians, about the nature and benefits of cooperation. So the, the cooperatives has the responsibility of educating everybody about the principles of cooperatives. And I want to suggest to you that cooperatives have not done a very, very good job of that. 
they've done a really great job of educating their staff and their members. They don't we we've done have not done as good a job at educating opinion leaders and the general public about the benefits of cooperatives. And this is why the National Cooperative Bank is sponsoring this radio program. We want to make sure that people really understand the benefits of cooperatives, the impact that cooperatives have. I've been amazed at the impact that cooperatives have in the U.S. and around the world. And that same interview with Dame Pauline Green, she said that on her board, there were people on both sides of the Iron Curtain, for instance. Just didn't make any difference about the political affiliations. There seemed like there's something that we all have in common, and that is how we can help our families, how we can help our communities. Again, it doesn't make any difference of your religious beliefs or your political beliefs. Are you left side, right side, conservative, liberal? Just all of those terms doesn't make any difference in cooperation. It is what is best for the community and the people inside a cooperative, what's best for families. So this knowledge is like hands-on knowledge, like in the old days you would get an apprenticeship and you'd learn how to make shoes or all of these different kinds of things, be a horsemith, just learning under somebody. This is kind of what I, I equate to being in a cooperative. You get in with a group of people, and you learn together. And one of the major lessons you learn is how to work together, particularly when there's conflict and there's going to be conflict. Just expect. You get two or more people together, you're going to have conflict. Sometimes if just one person have conflict, it's within himself. But there's going to be conflict. So learning how to work together with conflict, how you make choices and make decisions, even when there's conflict, to where after the decision is made, after the vote has been taken, win or lose, your side, win or lose, it just doesn't make any difference. Then you come and you pull together and you implement that. And it will be successful or not. Then you come back together, whether it's successful or not, and you talk about it and then you move forward. This is what cooperation is all about. And this is why Dr. Jessica gordon Nimhard in her book, Collective Courage, said that most cooperatives are successful. If you look out five years after cooperatives get started, 90% of co-ops are still in business. Because of this, from my view, I mean, I, she did not necessarily say this, I don't recall her saying this, it's because of this fifth principle, knowledge, this education, this training, this giving information to people so that they'll get the information that they need openly, open, transparent, Everybody has the financials so they can make informed decisions. People figuring out when there's a conflict, how to resolve that conflict and make a decision and make a choice that's better for everybody. So co-ops, 90% of them are still in existence five years down the road. Compared to the capitalistic model, in the capitalistic model, you only have about 10 or 15% still in existence after five years. One person goes out, they start the business, they either borrow some money or get from their family and friends or from their own savings or they get a, a banker or, or venture capitalist to put money in. Now, they can get started faster. They can get started faster normally, particularly if they have their own capital in some kind of way or family money. 
the co-op normally takes longer to get started because of this education. Same as the decisions that are made in the co-op. It takes longer to get the decision made, but because everybody is in it and everybody implements it, the implementation is faster and better. Hey, we're going to take our next and final break on this Thanksgiving day. Please hold on. We'll be right back. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. And we've been talking about the different types of cooperatives on this Thanksgiving Day, the blessings that people have received. And now we're talking about the values and principles of cooperatives, and this is what I like about cooperatives. And we just talked about, and the values, we talked about volunteer and open membership, democratic member control, member economic participation, Autonomy and independence. My favorite is education, training, and information. And then the sixth one is cooperation among cooperatives. And this is happening more and more and more. Where housing cooperatives work with credit unions and food co-ops, work with farmer co-ops, looking to do more food co-ops, do more work with housing co-ops. So this cooperation among cooperatives to build this model up. And the seventh principle is concern for community. And this is in, as one person said, the DNA of cooperatives. So not only is it in the values of social responsibility, caring for others, it's also one of the principles. And this is, again, why some of the co-ops, when it looks for the member economic participation, they may have a policy of, one-third of the profit stays in the business. One-third of it goes out to the community. This is a concern for the community, not only in words, but in deeds and dollars. And then one-third goes to dividends. All co-ops won't have that model of one-third, one-third, one-third. It may have different models. But concern for a community is a part of what co-ops are all about. So what do you have to be thankful for today as it relates to cooperatives? Thanksgiving started when people harvest at the harvesting season to be thankful to sit down. That's why so much food on Thanksgiving Day, because food was most plentiful during the harvesting season. And that was the time that the pilgrims sat down with the Native Americans and be thankful, probably before the pilgrims start taking the land. But we won't go there today. There was not any cooperation. In that. We won't go there. What am I thankful for? In corps. I'm thankful for New York City and Madison, Wisconsin. In New York, they've set aside money to create worker cooperatives. Like I think it was 2.5 million last year and 2.6 million this year. The politicians see the value of co-ops. There's more housing co-ops in New York City than anywhere else in the U.S. And they see the value of this cooperation, of the things I've just talked to you about of when you get a worker cooperative or a consumer cooperative, five years later, 90% of them are still in existence. They're working. And what happens is that in a worker cooperative, the people that work in that community normally live in that community. So when they get their paychecks, they buy goods and services in that community, that the money stays in that community. I didn't understand this the first time I went to economic class. They call it the multiplier effect. 
So if that money stays in that community and it turns five, six, seven times, eight times before it leaves the community, so that worker goes in down the street and they buy from the cleaners or they buy the grocery store, or they buy their gas or whatever they buy, they go to the barbershop or the beautician. And then the person in the store buys in that community. It keeps turning and turning and turning. So that the community grows. And too often in poor communities, whether that's rural or urban, we call it the ghetto, that worker more often than not goes outside the community to work. And then they buy outside the community. So it turns at best one time. And these other communities are the ones that are growing. So that's one of the major benefits of a cooperative. The people that work in a cooperative normally live in a cooperative. They buy and they do business in in that community, and therefore that community grows. You get New Yorkers understanding that, and so they put money to create more worker co-ops, $2.5 million. In Madison, Wisconsin, the politicians put $1 million a year for five years to help people form cooperatives. That's worker cooperatives, consumer cooperatives, purchasing cooperatives, or marketing cooperatives. Because the cooperatives, the impact on the community is phenomenal. And more often than not, the cooperative is formed to solve a community problem. Matter of fact, I heard a definition of politicians that I like. If I had known this definition or if I my experience with politicians was this definition, I probably would have been a politician. And that is that politicians come together, a group of people to come together to solve community problems. Boy, wouldn't that be great. More politicians that I know come, they get to be a politician so that they can help themselves or their family, not the community. That's the greed stuff again. And it seems to me right now you get, all of these people like the Koch brothers, Couch brothers, that they put in all of this money to hire politicians that will create policies that help them, help the rich. It would be nice if we had politicians that come together and solve community problems, and they would be more co-ops. There would be more laws to help co-ops. There would be more money to help co-ops, like they're doing in Madison and in New York City. Madison, Wisconsin, and New York City. Now, in Richmond, there's a book uh, called Communities Building Wealth. And that was by put out by the Democracy Collaborative. And you can go on their webpage, democracycollaborative.org, I believe, and you can get a copy of this book. And in this book, it talks about the strategies that communities are doing to build wealth for the people in the community and cooperatives is one of those strategies so richmond has a office of community wealth building office of community wealth building and that to me is this office is about seeing what they can do to build wealth for the people in the community whatever community that is in cincinnati There is a cooperative that the uh, universities and hospitals who have this tremendous buying power are helping to form co-ops in the neighborhood, in a ghetto, in the areas that don't have a lot of money, low-income communities, and they form three co-ops. Okay, one of them does the laundry, one of them does solar, and the other one 
produces vegetables. So three different co-ops, and they create jobs, and they build wealth. And that's financial wealth, that's social wealth. They also people, Dame Pauline Green, again, from the International Cooperative Alliance said, cooperatives help people, and this is I'm extremely thankful for, help people to come out of poverty with dignity. I mean, coming out of poverty is great, but if you have dignity and self-confidence as you come out of poverty, and this is what's happening in, like, Cincinnati, I've just talked to, I mean, in Cleveland, Ohio, where they had this this relationship and partnership between the universities and the hospitals to help create these cooperatives so people in the community, in low-income communities, can get employment and help run the business and create financial and social wealth. In Cincinnati, uh, December 1st and 2nd, they're having a conference, which I am very hopeful to go to. I'm looking forward to going. I went a couple of years ago. We're in Cincinnati and throughout the U.S., and people will come in from all over and even internationally to talk about how do you build co-ops and how unions can come in and help co-ops and how all of these baby boomers that have businesses are looking to sell their businesses, but they don't know if they can sell their businesses to the employees, and employees form a worker cooperative. Okay, they already have the expertise of running the business. Too many businesses are just going under. They're folding, and then people lose their job. If they form co-ops, then they can not only have their salaries, but again, if there is a profit, they can make more money. Be thankful. You have a lot to be thankful for. You can also look up co-ops or help to form a co-op, develop a co-op so that you can have control of your own destiny and, you know, just learn a lot and have self-confidence. Thank you very much. Have a cooperative week, and we'll see you next Thursday. 